The Sober Highway Podcast is brought to you by our good friends and sponsors, Brainwashed Coffee Company. Coffee is very important to the recovery community, but you already knew that if you've been listening to our show. But what's even more important is the fact that Brainwashed Coffee Company donates 50% of their profits to people in addiction recovery. They've been taking care of Anika and I for a while now, and now they want to take care of you. They are launching an all-new subscription service, which will bring fresh coffee on a monthly, bi-weekly, or even a weekly basis right to your front door. Head over to brainwashedcoffeeco.com and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout, and you'll get $5 off your first coffee order. Plus, if you order three or more bags, you'll get free shipping. Again, head over to brainwashedcoffeeco.com and use the code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout and help support an amazing brand giving back to people in recovery. Brainwashed Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. Hey, everybody. Today is Tuesday, October 5th, 2021, and it is time for the Casey Stangoth, episode 37 of your favorite recovery talk show, The Sober Highway Podcast. Today, we finally get Anika back, and I am absolutely stoked. This week, we talk about assertive communication. Plus, I throw in a personal story about my work drama that you don't want to miss. Get ready, get set, and let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Anika. And my name is Dan. And welcome to your favorite recovery talk show, The Sober Highway Podcast. We are two young social workers who have dedicated our lives and careers to affecting change in the addiction recovery community. We want to use this podcast as a platform to take the things that we have learned over the course of our careers and share it with our listeners. At the end of the day, we hope to inspire as many people as we can to make a change and live a sober lifestyle that works for them. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay. Um, so I got something I can share. So remember how I had been telling I had been telling you about that guy that's been giving me a tough time at work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't remember how much I told you, but the last thing I remember. So basically for, a, I want to say maybe a month or two, maybe even three months. Technically I was his supervisor, right? I was signing off on his timesheets. I was supposed to be doing supervision with him. And, um, he was basically refusing to meet with me because he mm-hmm. thought he felt that I was trying to tell him how to do his job. Yeah. Um, and he was very nasty towards me. He's been very rude towards me. He's been saying he's been speaking to me very inappropriately in front of hospital staff. And it got to the point where um, my supervisor and um his supervisor at the time like before my transit before that transition to me being his boss we decided that we were going to transfer his supervision to somebody else who had been supervising him way before okay um so this past tuesday um we had a meeting it was his 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 current supervisor myself my colleague and the other peer counselor so there were five of us in the room and I knew this meeting was going to go down south because 
there was no agenda to the meeting. It was like, all right, we're just going to, we're going to sit and talk on, for on, on Tuesday at two o'clock. I was like, all right, whatever. I knew it was going to go bad, but he opens the meeting. This guy, he opens the meeting by base, by saying he does not like me as a person. This is verbatim. This is verbatim. What this oh, guy God. said, he said, he does not like me as a person. He can't, he does not want to work with me anymore. He cannot see himself working with me now, nor can he see himself wanting to work with me in the future. And that working with me in the present time is negatively impacting his mental health. Okay. So he said this in front of four other people, myself included. And his boss said to him, do you not remember when Daniel's supervisor and the director of social work said to you that if you had any further issues with Daniel, right, that you can go to them directly because they had an open door? Mm -hmm. This guy said, I don't remember being told that. <laughs> because and, and, and it, bo it, it boggles my mind that he said that because that was the whole purpose of that guy meeting with my boss and the director of social work in the first place, because initially he didn't, he didn't like me. He thought I was being unprofessional. Mm -hmm. And so ever since that meeting that he had with them, he had never brought any concerns to them. And now he's saying he doesn't like me as a person. He doesn't want to work with me anymore. He can't work with me anymore. It's impacting his mental health to work with me. Oh God. So, <laughs> I mean, so, you think you think if any of that was true, which look, I don't know. We we don't know him what what is being brought up for him, right? But like, if any of that was true, wouldn't he have talked about it with the supervisor? Wouldn't he have brought it up? Like when exactly, exactly. Um, meanwhile, I've spoken to pretty much every high ranking member in the administration of our hospital's emergency department, and they all have said that they would be willing to attest to my performance and my conduct, right? Mm -hmm. I also have had a couple of providers in the ED come to me on their own saying that they are concerned with the way that this peer counselor does his job. So if he were to try and get someone to corroborate his side of the story, he would be very hard pressed to do so. Um, so anyway, after that meeting, this guy, this guy goes, uh, so his his supervisor calls the director of social work and said, you're not going to believe what this guy just said, right? So he basically told my boss's boss what this guy said in our meeting. But I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. What I did was after that meeting, I called... I emailed my supervisor and I said, I would like to meet with you because I want to know how to move forward with this okay. because, I, because he said some things that were not nice mm -hmm. and some things that were not true. He said some other things, but we can, we can talk about that on a later, you know, on a later date because he was saying things that shouldn't, he should not be reporting or complaining about because he's not my boss. Okay. Um. So I called, I emailed my supervisor. I was like, I want to meet with you because... I need to know how to discuss this. So he he emails me back. He goes, at the end of the week, you and I have a meeting with the director of social work. Um, 
I suggest you get your talking points in order. So I go and I freaking make a detailed bullet point list of all the things I want to say in this meeting, right? I call my union rep. I'm like, bro, I didn't call him bro, but I was like, bro, I need you. So I was like, bro, I need you there. So he's like, all right, fine, I'll come. So I sit on one side with my union rep, the director of social work, and my boss is sitting on the other side. And she goes, the director goes, Dan, I'm going to make this really quick. I spoke to this guy's supervisor. I heard what he said about you. And it has become clear to me now after speaking with your, with your direct report that, um, that this guy is harassing you and he is targeting you. And I will not tolerate that in my department. So what I would like you to do is to um, work with your union rep and file a um, harassment complaint with human resources. So, so now there is finally going to be, hopefully there's going to be some, some closure to the situation because he has been making my life a living hell for almost a year. I've been working, I've been working at this hospital since the week of Thanksgiving of 2020. And this is all this has been a problem for me since I started working there. Well, I mean, sometimes these things do take a, a long time to get resolved. And, you know, people. Th- this is not to, meant to be a negative statement, but I think sometimes peer counselors, they are not in a professional role in the same sense as people who have been trained clinically and, and have um, master's degrees or PhDs, right? And so mm-hmm. like their their skill set is very useful in terms of working with people in recovery and in addiction. Um, but the professionalism, sometimes the level is not quite the same. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes these issues do come up and like we run into like how to resolve the conflict that occurs because people are on very different lengths and wavelengths of like their training and their experience and things like that. Um, so I've definitely like, you're not the first person that has like told me about like things like this, you know, that have Mm -hmm. come up and even without my own experience supervising people too. Um, like, you know, the, the level is very different in trying to navigate that and like, yeah, figure out how to deal with it can be complicated. It's a, you know, here's the thing. My, my my dad was a is a city was a city employee. He's now retired. My mom worked for a um a special ed school, which I believe was somewhat linked with this New York City Board of Ed. Um, but she's very she is very uh, familiar with the bureaucracies of how unions work and and employee conflicts and stuff like that. And one of the things that they told me is, Dan, if he starts running his mouth, you shut your she literally said if he starts running his mouth shut the fuck up mm-hmm. let him let him run his mouth and let him get himself in trouble right so when we were in that meeting this past tuesday and he started running his mouth i was just i sat there and i sat on my hands i sat on my hands because i didn't want to i didn't want him to like i i sat there and i almost smiled because it was like i knew that what he was saying like there's no way he was going to be able to come back from that. Yeah. And um you know, when I talked to my when I had spoken to my director um 
when I spoken to my boss, like, like a day or so after that meeting to kind of like post process everything and to almost, you know, basically thank him for advocating for me. He was like, did you talk at all in that meeting where he said that stuff? And I was like, no, I kept my mouth shut. I was silent. He goes, Dan, that was the smartest thing you could have ever did. Yeah. So, so I'm just, I'm just happy that, that this is going to be that, that I am one step closer to, to, uh, to resolving this thing. And the director was like, listen, he, he's at the point now where he's, he's grasping at straws. So he's either going to have to suck it up or he's going to have to find another place to work. Um, you know, and I told her, I told the director of social work, I was like, you should not know my name. I was like, the fact that I've been in your office so many times for this is terrible. Like yeah. you should, you should know who I am and what I do because you're ultimately responsible for my actions. But like, you should not know me personally. You know yeah, what I mean? Because there's no reason for it, right? Because you're, right. you're doing your job. You're not, there's no like issues in terms of your performance or anything like that. So that should not be coming up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that whole thing is, is done. I put the kibosh on that. Well, I'm okay. going to be putting the kibosh on that. Um, anything interesting in your career? Anything interesting going on on that? No, just rearranging my schedule. Okay. Um, you know, no, nothing out of the ordinary. Okay. Um, Okay, so did you see the the attachments that I sent you? No. Okay, so in the email I sent you, it came with two. <laughs> it came You're with... asking mom if you looked at something. No, I have not. <laughs> so in that email I sent you inviting you to this um, recording, um, I included two attachments. Okay, I see them. Okay, so open up the one the one that doesn't have the um intro script okay all right so this was this was kind of the topic that i wanted to talk about well this actually goes with honestly what you you were talking about though like in terms of the the work um the workplace challenges that you're going through right absolutely so for those of you that are listening that are that don't have the ability to see what arnika and i are looking at right now um, we want to talk to you guys about assertive communication. It is okay. so funny. I talk to people about this all the time. I must, yes. like my clients must hear me talk about this. Like, I don't know, like nonstop, mm -hmm. like every other session probably is about like, so what are we communicating right now? And, and how can we maybe communicate that in a more assertive way? <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you that are SpongeBob fans, we're talking about assertive, not insertive. Okay, if you're a big SpongeBob fan like I am, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was gonna say that one went over my head. It's a uh, it's the episode of SpongeBob where um, Plankton teaches uh, teaches SpongeBob to be more assertive. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so Anika, why don't why don't you tell our listeners what assertive communication is? So typically, when we're thinking about communication, we are thinking about um, passive communication, aggressive communication, or assertive, right? And so those are the, right. the, the main categories that we think of. Um, 
passive is is kind of like that i'm going to sit quietly i nod i say yes i don't like necessarily like i kind of go with it even though i might want to say something else right kind of like um, go with the flow yeah go with the flow let me not create any waves let me just kind of like okay people please it could go into that territory right mm -hmm. um when i think of aggressive that is kind of like snapping at you um potentially like being like verbally abusive even at the very end of that spectrum right of, of aggressive communication it can lead to that again that's not always the only type of aggressive communication um even body language of like getting in somebody's face when talking to them or getting close, like invading their personal space as part of aggressive communication at times. Um, kind of having to feel like you need to continuously argue your point for the other person to hear. Right. right. Um, exactly. Maybe using some cursing in there. Um, kind right. of coming across with a certain tone of voice that is trying oh, oh. to be in it i'm trying to think when you're when you're trying to be when you're being a when you're trying to communicate aggressively with someone it's almost like you're you're trying to intimidate the person that you're communicating with to get them to understand what you're where you're coming from or to try and you know intimidate them into getting what you want or for them to see it your like see your side of the story mm -hmm. yeah right and so assertive is essentially the the middle ground between the two, right? Yeah, assertive is is that balance, really, right? And so, mm -hmm. like when we think about assertive communication, it is being able to stand up for yourself, your needs, your wants, um, your beliefs, while also thinking about the person that you're talking to or the people that you're talking to, and thinking about what they need, want, and respecting their boundaries as well, mm -hmm. right? So it's like that balance of like, I'm, I'm saying what I need to say while still kind of saying it um, in a way that communicates the importance of it without it being like too in your face, but not kind of being a doormat either. Right. So like, right. So let's, why don't we, why don't we share a little bit about like what a sort of communication looks like so maybe these are like these are some things that people can practice when they're trying to communicate their wants and needs to someone in an assertive way so um obviously the first the first thing is you you if you're a, if you want to communicate assertively with someone you clearly need to say what your needs and wants are right clearly make make it clear to who you're talking to what you're looking for or what you want them to see, right? You also want to try and make eye contact as much as you can, right? It shows the person that you're engaged in the conversation. Now, I don't know about you, um, but sometimes it can be very uncomfortable to look someone in the eye, right? Mm -hmm. it, you know, that, that it's just weird. So usually what I recommend is, um, you know, look at when you're talking to someone, look, look at their forehead. Um, or also like pretend that, you know, like look just past them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like pretend like someone is standing directly behind them, like with their nose touching the back of their head, like just, or like the side, like look, look just past them. Um, cause that, that shows that you're, that you're engaged in the conversation and that when you're looking at them, 
it'll make them pay attention to you. Um, one of the most important things also is you want to, when, when they're speaking to you, you want to maintain that eye contact, but also you want to listen to what the other person is saying without interrupting them because interrupting someone while they're speaking one is super aggressive, right? It, it shows them, it, it shows them that you're not interested in anything that they have to say. Hold on one sec. I got, I freaking got Michelle calling me right now. I'm going to leave <laughs> this in. I'm going to leave this in just to see what happens. Hello. What's up? You're coming home. Okay. Um, so when you come in, I am recording. I'm probably going to be recording. So tread lightly when you come in. Okay. Do you want to say hi to Anika? Hold on. All right, Mo, say hi. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we can if you want. But we gotta take we gotta take the dresser down. We got so if anything, we'll do that, and then I'll take care of that in the morning. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hi. So, um, anyway, where was I? Oh, so listening to others without interruption, it shows that you're genuinely interested in what the person has to say, and it it shows that you value your opinion, mm -hmm. that you value their opinion. Okay. Um, what else do we got? What else can you think of? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's not just valuing their opinion. I think it's also, you know, the, the respect and, and boundaries again, boundaries are like my other favorite thing that go with the sort of communication, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I just think that it's, it's one of those things that's like completely overlooked, you know, and, mm -hmm. and assertive communication is one of those things you can use in any aspect of your life. It could be work, home, anything, right? It's a skill mm -hmm. that all of us can kind of practice. And so there's definitely some tips that, that can be helpful, mm -hmm. right? So respecting yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. your, your needs, wants, um, as well as the other person's, right? So right. you want that back and forth, the mutual respect. Um, I mm -hmm. think it's important too, if you feel like you can't give that in that moment, um, it's important to kind of be like, I might need to have this conversation later, right? Right. Um, take exactly. a pause, take a break, say, especially if it's something really heated, right? So when it comes to like addiction and recovery, if you're newly sober and trying to talk to say your spouse, right? And like, you feel like anger or resentment, Right you may not be in the best place to practice assertive communication, right? You right. might need to say, hey, there's this really important thing I want to talk to you about, but I'm feeling a little angry right now. I do want to talk mm -hmm. to you about it, but when I'm less angry, because mm -hmm. I don't want to take it out on you unnecessarily. And also, um, if you're a significant other or a family member um, of someone in recovery, uh, what you might notice sometimes is, you know, in that early part of recovery and they feel, they feel extra super motivated to like, you know, make amends with people and, you know, talk to everyone about their feelings and what they've done wrong. Like you're per you're perfectly within your right to say, listen, 
to, to that addict or to that person in recovery, you can say, listen, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of dealing with the raw emotion right now. So I don't think I can have a, you know, a mature, mm-hmm. thorough conversation with you. So maybe we can move, we could talk about this later. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, the, the respect I think is important. Um, being able to express your thoughts and feelings calmly. Mm-hmm. The other thing, right? So, you know, again, the silent treatment, that's kind of the passive communication, yelling, threatening, those are aggressive communication strategies, right? You don't really want to do those type of things when you're using assertive communication. You want to take responsibility for your own emotions, right? And express them calmly and in a factual manner, right? So trying to say, I feel hurt when X, Y, and Z happens. You don't necessarily all want to say like, I feel um, hurt when you do X, Y, and Z. Right. right. It's it's very important that uh, this is something that kind of it kind of ties into this, but it wasn't really on the list. When you're trying to have an, uh, an important conversation with someone about something that they've done to you or that they've consistently done to you, you want to focus on what that not necessarily what that person did, but how what that person did made you feel. So, so it made me feel a certain way, right? Because it's reminding me of an old story. Exactly. So a lot of times that happens. So like, I talk to people a lot about that is like, um, you know, I felt hurt when you, um, didn't trust me. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. with, with making that phone call or whatever it was. Right. So like, so it could be something really simple. And I felt that way because that has happened in my past. Right. And, and, it, and getting that that knowledge of that, what happened in the past. And I'm stuck in that story that I'm telling myself. Right. And it, and this could it could literally be about like the most menial shit. Like if some, like say your significant other stole a piece of cheesecake out of the fridge that you were thinking about all day. Right. You can like you can tell that like when you ate that piece of cheesecake, it made me feel it made me feel betrayed because it reminded me of something in the past where I was thinking about something all day, or I was thinking about doing something all week with my best friend. And then at the last second, they backed out on me because they'd rather go do this. And that, and like the feel, the feelings that I had then and now are the same, you know? So it could, it could literally be about anything. As long as you're, as long as you're explaining to the person how, what they did made you feel, you have a better chance of getting through to them by just saying, why the fuck did you take my cheesecake? Yeah. Um, the next thing though, when, when you're trying to have a, when you're trying to have a discussion about something that's a little bit more serious, it's very, very important to plan what you're going to say before you have that important conversation, right? For example, like what we were just talking about before, I was I was about to have what I thought was a very very important meeting with my boss and my boss's boss about something that was very very important to me and I wanted to make sure that they understood exactly where I was coming from and what I was hoping to get out of that meeting so I wrote down all the stuff I wanted to say and not only that I also wrote down well if they try to, if they say this this is going to be my response if they say that this is going to be my response 
So trying because, to plan like how the conversation may go either way. Right. I, I didn't, uh, this is, this is borderline inappropriate, but I didn't want to get caught with my pants down. Yeah. Because I, because I knew, I knew that the, like in my mind, I had to hear, I had to hear a certain thing or something to that effect for me to walk out of that meeting and be like, you know what? That was a good meeting. Mm-hmm. And she said it before I could even say what I had to say. So that to me said, okay, she knows where I'm coming from now. And I don't have to, I don't even have to say what I need to say. Mm-hmm. So that just shows how good of a social worker my director is. Yeah. I didn't have to say anything for her to know what I was hoping to get out of that meeting. Yeah. Um. So Anika, why don't you tell them about the last um, assertiveness tip? So the last um, tip is say no when you need to, right? Um, and this, I think, is really hard for a lot of people in recovery because a lot of people have codependency issues as well. Um, people-pleasing behaviors, right? Um, avoidance of conflict. There's, of course, people that love conflict too, but I think there's a lot that don't. Um, and, and so knowing that like, it's okay if you say no, it's okay that sometimes you're not going to make everyone happy. Um, I think there's also the social stigma that goes along with women in particular, right. And saying yes all the time. Um, so that's something I work with with, uh, my clients that identify as women in particular, right. Feeling like their voice is valid. It's important. You can say no, no is a complete sentence in any situation. Um, and this goes for men as well, obviously, and, um, people who identify differently too, you know, it doesn't really matter. No is a complete sentence, right? Like we we think about women in particular because we see those issues come up, right? Um, but I think it's really important that, that everybody feel that they have the ability to say no. Um, because again, it's... You don't have to give a response. That's what I mean by saying no is a complete sentence. You don't have to say no, but, or no, because, right? You don't have to do those things. And that kind of ties into the first tip that we gave you guys, which was it's important to respect yourself because your your wants and your needs are just as important as anyone else's. Mm-hmm. So if if someone, for example, um, Say, say you made plans to go out with, you know, to go out with your friends and your significant other says, hey, um, you know, can you uh, can you watch my son for me so that I can go out with my girlfriends? You could be like, well, I've had these plans for weeks now, so Mm -hmm. I can't I can't I can't cancel now just because you want to go out with your girlfriends tonight. I have an idea, though. Why don't we call? Why don't we call your sister? Why don't we call your sister and see if she can take our take take your son for the night? So that way we can both go out, right? So not so so you said no. You said no. I'm not going to cancel for you, but you also offered another solution. So that way you guys can both get what you want. Mm-hmm. And and trying to offer another solution can be very helpful in a lot of situations. Could you give us kind of an example? Um, so in, in order to say like, um, 
what you kind of gave was was a great example right but like mm-hmm. um say somebody's asking you so it's at work and, and right. you know your boss is saying i need you to take another client right and you're at the client caseload that that they are at said, the max yeah that's that's your max you're, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to take more right um yeah. that's where you can say no i can't take on another client i'm at my max you know, let's see if there's an additional solution. I know blah, blah, blah is discharging a client soon. Can they take that client on, you know, mm-hmm. as a replacement, right? Um, yeah. I'm feeling burnt out. I cannot. You right. know? Um, is there anybody else, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, those, those are important conversations to have. Um, so there, there are a couple of examples on here as well, right. Of assertive communication. Right. Uh, so like the, the one that we went over, um, the one that we went over, uh, was the first one. Um, this one at the second one actually happened to Michelle and I, uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, we went out to, have you heard of that Brazilian steakhouse called, uh, Fogo de Chao? Yeah. Oh my God. That place is amazing. We've They're been opening there. one in um, Walt Whitman Mall in Huntington. That's exactly where Michelle works. She told me. Oh, they they opened it there. It's not open yet. They're oh, okay. still under construction, but it, it will be opening soon. Yeah. Um, but we went to for those of you that have never been there. It's a it's a churrasco style, um, Brazilian steakhouse, and basically, um, they it's it's like it's like forty something dollars a head for lunch like 60 something for dinner and they just it's just non-stop steak chicken lamb pork and they just as long as you're eating they're bringing you food mm-hmm. and so one of the things that michelle and i really like to eat there is the filet mignon because where else could you get all you can eat filet for such a good price so that was one of the that was one of the first things that we ate while we were there and Michelle takes like one or two bites out of her piece of filet and she's like, Dan, I don't, this doesn't taste right. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, I think it's raw. And I'm like, well, I'm eating my piece and it's perfectly fine. It's nice and medium rare. She goes, no, 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 this isn't medium rare. This is raw. So I said, let me see it. So she showed it to me. And I mean, I I'm sure you can tell what the difference is between medium rare and raw. This was raw. Mm-hmm. And so um normally the filet only comes out every once in a while because it's so expensive so i called the server over and i was like excuse me um can you bring us another piece of filet this piece is raw i know it does i know the filet doesn't come out very often um but i i would like another piece of filet because this one's raw and without without question the way the way i spoke to the server i looked him in the eye and I said, this is raw. I would like another piece. Within within 10 minutes, they brought me another piece. They brought both of us another piece. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And, and so that was, that was assertive, right? Right. Like I told them exactly what I was trying to get, what I was looking for. The server recognized that it was his responsibility to make sure that we have a positive dining experience. And it was said with like respect, mutual respect, yes. boundaries, right? Yes. In a, in a calm manner. 
Right. And the issue was resolved so swiftly and they gave us an even bigger piece of filet when we, when they came back that it wasn't even, it didn't even cross my mind to make it known to the manager when he came to check on us at the end of our meal. Um, so needless to say, we will be going, we will be going back. We go there all the time. That's one of our favorite, it's one of my favorite places to go to eat. And, um, um, I, I told Michelle while we were there, I was like, if I could only go to one restaurant for the rest of my life to dine out, it would be that place because their food is delicious and it's reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. A churrasco style Brazilian steakhouse is the way to go. Um, but we are, we are running out of time. So I just wanted to do, I wanted to do two, uh, one more thing. Um, so since, uh, since the football season started, Anika, you know that we've been doing fantasy football, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so the first two weeks we won, um, in a very strong handed way, right? We, it was, it was not even close the two, the two week, the first two weeks. Um, <clears throat> the second two weeks we got manhandled. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this week, uh, this week we played the girls beer sports podcast and they spanked us. We, uh, we, ha- we only had a hundred point two, two points. They had a they had hundred and fifty eight point one six points. Okay. And they <laughs> and they they still have one player left to go. Um. And I don't know. Do you know any? How much do you know about football? Not very much. Not okay. going to lie. Okay. So one one of our players was project. He was projected to score twelve points. He got us 0.1 points. One-tenth of a point was all, <laughs> was all he scored. Okay. Um, and um, the other the, – um, the Girls Beer Sports podcast, they were playing with the Buffalo Bills defense who managed to record three sacks. They intercepted the um, – they intercepted the Houston quarterback four times. They recovered a fumble. And they only allowed 109 yards the entire game. So needless to say, they were only projected for 13 points and they scored 35. Okay. So we got we got absolutely doinked. But we have a chance for redemption because next week, Anika, next week we are playing our good friend Tim McCarthy of the 2010 yeah. Minutes podcast. Okay. How is Tim? Uh, Tim's doing well. I haven't spoken to him in a while. Um, I would love to get Tim back on here. Um, I I have somebody else actually too that I'm going ooh. to get on. Um, okay. A, a good friend of mine and author who's going to talk to us a little about love addictions. Ooh. Um, okay. She's, she is. She's not a specialist in it, but um, it's just about like how you know what her experience in, in writing this book and, and relationships and um what she's kind of seen um okay. and and so it's pretty cool um i have to coordinate with her when she's able to do that but um 
Well, I'll tell you what, if you'd like, um, I'll give you the login information for the StreamYard account. So that way, if you want to go and do the interview yourself, you can go and do it. And you would just, as long as, as long as you record it on StreamYard, mm -hmm. um, I'll be able to retrieve the recording and download it to the computer and we'll take, I'll take care of it. Okay, cool. Um, but I also have, um, a potential guest at some point. Um, sorry, a, um, uh, a colleague of mine who is a, um, attending in the, uh, emergency room that I work at. Oh, I remember she, you telling me this. She has a friend of hers that is a, um, addiction specialist. Um, and she herself, I believe was in recovery as well. So I don't know how much she'll talk about that, but she, she specializes in addiction medicine, I believe. So that would be pretty cool to, to talk to her about that. Very cool. Um, so I think that is, don't go anywhere. Cause I have some stuff I need to talk to mm -hmm. you about, but, um, so that is going to be it for our episode this week. If you enjoyed the content today, I would really appreciate it. Well, Anika and I would really appreciate it um, if you uh, if you follow us on all of our uh, social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Okay, um, if you'd like to check out our other episodes, our earlier episodes, um, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. If you have any information that you would like to share with Anika and I, um, if you'd like to be a guest on our show, or if you just want to share anything with us that you think our listeners would really like to hear or see, um, you could DM us on any of our social media platforms, or you can send us an email at thesoberhighway at gmail.com. Last but not least, I just want to remind you again to check out our sponsor, Brainwashed Coffee Company. Okay, um, We have a new promotion going on with them. Um, they've started a new subscription service, um, which, um, Billy is really excited to, um, announce. He announced it last week, I believe, but if you go to their website, right. And you, uh, brainwashcoffeecode.com and you use our promo code sober highway, all one word, uh, you'll get $5 off your first order. Okay. So make sure you do that. Buy your coffee, get it while it's hot. No pun intended. <laughs> um, Anika. Is there anything that you would like to add? No. Okay. So with that being said, we will catch you in next week's episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.